0: Welcome to Consume, podcast by me, Bern Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume with the main framework being my watch a movie every day challenge for 2021, and it's also my daily diary, uh, not you know, uh, for today, Friday, it was a fine day, um, dropped Dexter off at work, uh, if you remember at the end of last week, yesterday, I tried to, I did the second day of a new workout, and it obliterated my thighs, it is so hard to walk today. <laughs> Uh really don't like that our apartment is up a flight of stairs, it's been pretty rough. Uh, but you know, it's nice, I haven't been sore like this in a while. Um Yes, not much else to report on like the personal life stuff. I started looking for jobs and that's annoying. City of LA is hiring a looking for a general maintenance worker, I might apply to that even though I don't really want to work maintenance ever again. There's a bookstore in West Hollywood that's hiring and that I might apply to even though it's only 15 bucks an hour. Uh, But it might be kind of fun to work at a bookstore. I don't know. Kind of like a library, right? Uh, Yeah, we'll just get into it. Because today I did a double feature. So this is the last week of July and Punishment, my crime movie month. And uh, so since the week, the month ends on Saturday next week. That means that like after this week uh, of the podcast ends on the 29th, I would have two extra days. So instead of letting it bleed into... The next month i'm gonna do two double feature days this week to like round it out all in just this podcast and still put it out at my usual time so today my double feature i did was the last two movies of the dirty harry series so i can get these out of the way make sure i watch all of them and yeah so i started out with sudden impact from 1983 it's the only one that was actually directed by clint eastwood and uh this one's all right. If you can tell it's a movie that uh, wasn't written to be dairy, Dirty Harry movie, and they kind of like retro actively made it one. Because like the main reason they even made a Dirty Harry movie again was they did a poll of like favorite action stars, uh, Warner Brothers did, and Dirty Harry like was like number one in the rankings by a lot. So they realized they could make some money off of doing another one. So because like the main story in this is a woman and her sister, her younger sister are raped on the beach by this group of like psychos, uh, in 1973. And this movie takes place 10 years later where she is going on like a revenge spree where she's shooting all the guys in the dick and then in the head. And then they tie in dirty Harry by like the first part of the movie is just him doing stuff in San Francisco and shit's going wild enough that he gets sent away because of all the bad publicity uh, down to this town, to, like, Santa Clarita, or whatever, wherever the fuck it is, and, um, he ends up running into this woman, and falling into the whole plot, and helping her with her revenge, kind of, or not, he doesn't really help her, he doesn't fully find it out to the end, but he, like, makes sure she gets away with it, but yeah, and it's, it's, so it's a little, the plot's a little muddy, uh, not, like, it's not the smoothest movie, uh, the first part, like, the parts at the beginning with him and San Francisco, like, tearing shit up, it's so wild, he, like, A case gets thrown out because he, like, did something. He, like, got evidence the wrong way or whatever. And these three young kids get away with something, with whatever their crime was. And then he goes and confronts a, like, mob boss at the mob boss's daughter's wedding. And he, like, riles him up enough to make this old mob boss have a heart attack, which causes all his hitmen to, like, come after Dirty Harry. And then while this is happening, the three kids that got off from the trial at the beginning decide they want to kill harry and they chase him down and throw molotov cocktails in his car and he survives and kills all of them (laughs) uh there's also a great part in this beginning thing where he's going to like investigate the first murder where this girl shot the dude in the dick and his like the officer who's like telling about stuff is eating a hot dog like being real weird with it too and the guy is like this town real fucked up stuff in this town huh harry and harry goes on to like this rant about like all the horrible things happening but the worst thing he sees is this guy eating a hot dog because only a monster would put ketchup on a hot dog and i agree uh ketchup on hot dogs is for children uh mustard only but yeah it's solid uh it's fun enough using like a carousel at the end like the the last bad guy that gets, gets killed falls off the boardwalk and like gets impaled on the unicorn horn of a oh, of a unicorn and a carousel, and that's one. So I give it a 3.5, but it's like a low 3.5, if that makes sense. Oh, two other bits of a trivia. So at the end of the boardwalk, apparently this like newfangled gun, like the auto mag that Harry used in this, kept jamming and fucking up, and hit. Clint would just throw it into the water, so they had to keep a diver on staff to go and find the gun that he threw into the ocean, which is such a stupid fucking thing. Like, can't control himself to not throw this gun multiple times and have to, like, retrieve it, have a diver retrieve it, and then clean the gun, fix it, and then try the shot again. It's very stupid. This is also the one where he gets the the catchphrase, go ahead, make my day. And then later, whenever he ran for mayor for that camel-by-the-sea town uh, that he lives in, his catchphrase was, go ahead, make me mayor, which I... Which I think is funny. So yeah, so that's sudden impact, 1983, and then the final movie is the Deadpool from 1988, and I like this one a lot. This one I liked more than the other one. Um, It takes place in San Francisco again, and it's all about the Deadpool is this like game played by uh, Liam Neeson's character, who is the director of a horror like horror movies, and him and like the people who make his movies have this game where. They each get a list of famous people and, like, make bets on who's gonna die first, and Harry is on the list, and then, like, some serial killer guy is going around killing people on the list, and that's the basic story, but, you know, it's fun. This one, like, the script is much more solid than the first one. It flows better. Uh, it's fun to see really young Liam Neeson and Jim Carrey. Like, Liam Neeson plays the director of these horror movies, and Jim Carrey plays, like, the head, the lead of a rock band. Which I think is basically supposed to be Guns N' Roses because they use Welcome to the Jungle. Like, all of a sudden, the movie, after like your basic Dirty Harry intro, cuts to Jim Carrey in like an exorcist homage room as like a dressed like a deranged priest, lip syncing Guns N' Roses, uh, Welcome to the Jungle with like bisexual lighting. (laughs) And uh, it was very jarring. I wasn't expecting that, Uh, but it's cool. There's also a really sweet uh, car chase in this that was inspired by the car chase in Bullet, because that was also a car chase in San Francisco. Uh, But in this one, they use an RC car. So, like, our serial killer is chasing Harry in a Plymouth Oldsmobile. And the serial killer is also chasing him in the car while also chasing him with this RC car that has a bomb in it. And it's a really fun chase. And apparently, the RC car was, like, actually faster than the Oldsmobile, and they had to, like, rein it in so it wouldn't, like, outrun it in every take, which is pretty cool. So... Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun one. I don't, I don't really have much else to say about it <laughs> besides I like it. Uh, I also give this one a 3.5, but it's a high 3.5. I didn't quite feel comfortable putting in the four star range, but I still liked it better. So, you know, both, both pretty fun movies. I'm glad I watched all of these. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's our first double feature for the week. I don't know when I'm going to do the other one. And I, I already have like a funny idea, I think for what that double feature is going to be. So, uh, we'll see when we get there. And, uh, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Hey guys, I got a nose bleed right before I started recording. So I have a piece of toilet paper in my nose. It came out of nowhere, but yeah. All right. So it's Saturday. It felt like a long day. I woke up, you know, like eight-ish. Uh, I worked out today. And today was like a full body workout and my thighs are still sore from the other day and this wrecked me. My thighs are, it's so bad. I had to do like dumbbell swings and then like squat snatches or whatever the fuck, mountain climbers, mountain climbers. So like <laughs> walking around the rest of the day, I keep having like sometimes my leg kind of gives out because my thigh isn't strong enough. So that's fun in kind of a bad mood today, just, I let me mean, just, because my body just feels wiped out, uh, I've been annoyed, because my, like, I've constantly been feeling itchy, and I think it's because Dexter uses these fucking fragrance balls in the laundry, and my skin is so sensitive that even though I don't use them, whenever I do my stuff, that's still, like, in there, and also, this might just be psychosomatic, and I just think that because he's using them, they might be affecting me, uh, but I feel bad, telling him to not use them because I know he likes them and it's annoying for him to not be able to use stuff like that because of my sensitive skin I don't know I get in my head about it and I'm also itchy all day so I was just very just generally pissed off (laughs) uh for most of the day but you know I got over I'm in a better mood now though earlier I was also upset because I keep thinking about like uh thinking about jobs sucks and also I just keep thinking about like being social, it's been so long since I've hung out with someone. But I don't even know if I want to hang out with anyone. I've said this before. It's just I don't even know I don't even know how to be social. I don't know if I can do it. I'm gonna judge like everybody for everything. But like I said, I'm in a better mood now. Watch today's GCW show, uh Homecoming Part One, which was mostly just boring bullshit. Uh but the main event was Nick Gage versus uh Matt Cardona or Zack Ryder. Uh and you know Overall, like a B match, but it was pretty fun. Zack Ryder bled a lot, bled way more than I thought he would. (laughs) I expected maybe take a couple tubes, but like his face was all masked. His he was wearing a white tank top that turned red by the end. Wild stuff. And then he won. He's the GCW champ. That rules. Probably the most fun thing GCW's done in like two fucking years. Uh, but anyways, today's movie I watched Danger Diabolic from 1968, directed by Mario Brava, produced by Dino De Laurentiis. I think he was the producer. Um, starring uh, John Philip Law and Marissa Mell. Uh, this is a fun one. It's a fucking weird one. So it's based off of an Italian comic book called Diabolic. Um, and it's about like a uh, a thief. It's kind of like, it's real like uh, James Bondy kind of vibe for the movie, but, like, more psychedelic, and, of course, we're following a criminal instead of a government agent, which, you know, what's the difference? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just weird, like, a lot, like, way trippier visuals than I was expecting. Like, the first thing he does is he steals 10 million dollars that, like, the government knew that he was gonna try and steal this money, so they try to do a fake-out where they send out an armored car full of fake money, or just, like, blank pieces of paper and they put all the actual money in a rolls royce uh but diabolic knows better and so he takes the rolls royce but distracts them by putting all this colored uh smoke and then he like takes the car and then like drops the money in a boat and like dives into the water and into the boat and like goes off with it uh and then he gets into like a chase in his jaguar and uh which is pretty fun but then he meets up with eva kant his like his girlfriend that he's steals all the stuff for and they go to their lair and I was not expecting this it's like a full-on like super villain lair almost like they go through like a hatch that's like hidden in a hill into this like cave system that has all these like trippy like uh 60s sci-fi style like walkways and like rooms and they like have sex on the money on this like giant circular bed that like spins around like a lazy susan uh that like fucking 20 people could fit on and then get drawn into this plot where like the government like the inspector that's trying to like stop him like teams up with this like mob boss who's played by the bad guy from thunderball uh which you know it's always fuck Thunderball. Though now I don't even remember Thunderball. I kinda of feel like I need to rewatch it and see if I actually dislike it this much. But whatever, fuck Thunderball. Uh it was cool to see this guy. He's a very distinctive face, big nose. Um, they get drawn into like a plot about like these emerald this emerald necklace, and Diabolic like uh breaks into a castle by scaling a wall to steal this necklace. And Diabolic he wears these like skin tight like cat suits. <laughs> and this like mask it's a very distinctive like full like head mask that has like a the eyes cut out and like really emphasizes his eyes but then also the weird part about the mask is that like it goes into his mouth like the it's like latex so it like suctions in like his so you can see like a lip line in the mask and it's weird um and he has a black suit and he also has like a slate gray version of the suit so that when he's climbing the wall of the castle nobody can see him uh So he steals the emeralds and then he thinks he gets away or he gets away with it, but then, like, the mob guys find his girlfriend, take her, and they want the money and the emeralds in exchange for her life, and blah, blah, blah. And Sue's, uh, I actually missed this part because I was looking at my phone, but, like, during the whole thing, he, like, kills all the mob guys, finds his girlfriend, and then uses the emeralds to load. He loads the emeralds that are, like, kind of long shaped, loads them to the gun shoots the mob boss 11 times with all 11 emeralds so they're lodged in his body and then he takes a pill to fake his own death and then uh goes to the hospital uh eva finds him and wakes him up and uh then he goes to the crematorium where they burn the mobster's body and he gets the emeralds from the ashes it's wild shit and then like the government has, like, reinstated the death penalty to, like, try and deter him, and they also say that they're going to go all out to find him after the emeralds thing, and so he retaliates by blowing up all the tax buildings in, uh, this country, which they don't say which country it is, but, like, just assume it's Italy, um, so he blows up all the tax buildings and all the tax records, and, like, the government begs the, the public to, like, give money till they just pay taxes even though they don't know how much they owe and of course nobody wants to do it and so the government then so that they can buy money from other countries they melt down all of their gold 20 tons of gold and they're going to transport it by train because it's going to be harder to steal uh 20 tons of gold but of course diabolic does it <laughs> they like blow the a bridge that the train's on uh and they use he's just like underwater balloons and like this like cool looking uh ship like little underwater like boat thing to like drag it into his lair where he's gonna melt the gold from inside the giant steel thing and make diamond like bars using this like heating contraption and then of course the cops show up and since he's not t- like taking care of his like gold melting the whole thing overloads and explodes and gold molten gold washes over him but he's wearing a special suit that he says he could swim through the center of the sun in this suit and uh so he's like covered, and he turns into like a statue and like the police think they caught him and then he's dead in there and he like is staying still keeping his eyes like wide open the whole time uh and then but like the movie ends with like his girlfriend like saying his last goodbye, her last goodbye, before the inspector takes away and like and diabolik winks at her, saying like I'm still in here and I'm gonna get out, and that's the end. He ends the movie still stuck in gold, but he's laughing because Diabolic will always win, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's a real fun ride, just a lot of real pulpy shit. Uh, I definitely want to track down some of these comics. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of cool visuals, a lot of cool shots. Uh, and choices. They kind of resemble like comic book frames like weird angles that you you wouldn't normally see a camera in. Uh, A lot of shots when they're in the car of like using the rearview mirror to see their eyes and some other stuff and I've seen that in old comics a lot especially this like canon book by Wally Wood that I have. Um, There's a good score. Uh, It's Ennio Morricone. Uh, There's like a weird theme song that I don't really care for but it's fine. Yeah, but there's also like they use sitar sounds to like be like the theme for the bass. And like the chase thing is like a uh surf guitar kinda kinda deal. Like a lot of tremolo picking. Uh and that's fun. But yeah, so 3.5 stars for Danger Diabolic. And I'm glad I finally got to this one because there's a there's an X-Men character called Phantom X that uh I've always liked. He's a real weird character and he's uh he was apparently based off, like, the look was based off of Diabolic, and, um, and, uh, this other comic, uh, phantomas which there's movies of Phantomos that I need to watch, too. And, yeah, and, like, reading about this, uh, I'm looking at Phantom X's Wikipedia now. His name is Jean-Philippe, which is supposed to be a reference to John Philip Law, and also, I think he has a ship. God, why did my computer just kick into overdrive? What's going on? Sorry about that, but he, yeah, he... And he also has a, like, this ship that is also his, uh, his nervous system somehow, and that's called Eva, which I guess is a reference to Eva Kant, the character. Um, yeah, I need to go back and read some of these old Phantom X stories, because I always really liked them. Anyways, that, you know, uh, that's it for today. (laughs) We'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It's Sunday. It's an okay day. Nothing special. I did the, uh... I worked out today and it's like the last day of the week for the workouts. So it's supposed to be like the hard one, the one you build up to. And it's, it's, it's called like the man maker plus or something. So like the whole workout is just building up to this one move that they call the man maker, which is stupid. Um, and like, it's hard, but it wasn't as hard as like, the workout was for me yesterday because it's a move that like, I have to modify a lot to do. So it's like a dumbbell. You have your dumbbells. You do, you hold them up by your shoulder. You do a front squat. Then you put the dumbbells on the ground. You like burpee back, sprawl back. Then you do a push up. then a renegade row with each arm. And then yeah, you, you pop back up, squat up and then you do a shoulder press and that's, like, the whole, and you repeat, and that's a man maker. But, like, I can't do the fucking push-ups with the dumbbells in my hands. Fuck it fucking fucks with my wrists. And also, I do uh, knee push-ups so I can get proper range of motion because my uh, chest muscles are the weakest thing on me, and it is not fair to ask him to handle all 270 or 80 pounds of me. So, but, you know, I did it. I'm, and I, like, after doing a week of this program, I like it. It's a nice, solid, like, simple clean dumbbell workouts, and so, uh, I'm gonna stick with it, I think. We'll I'll get, hopefully I get through the whole month. But yeah, nothing really besides that, so let's just get to today's movie. I watched, uh, Lawless from 2012 by John Hillcoat, and it's written by Nick Cave, who also wrote The Proposition, which is a western that I watched earlier this year that I really liked, and it's got Shia LaBeouf, and... Tom Hardy, and Gary Oldman, and Jessica Chastain, and Guy Pearce, and, uh, this is a fun one. I really enjoyed this one. Like, the storytelling was nice. Uh, makes me feel like I should try see what other movies Nick Cave wrote, since I liked this and The Proposition so much. Oh, looks like these are the only two things he wrote. But yeah, anyway, so the storytelling is nice. It's based off of a book about, like, these real uh brothers who are bootleggers back in virginia in like 1920 and it's like their actual story uh which is pretty cool uh shia labeouf is the young one tom hardy i think is the middle one but he like runs the whole thing and then the older brother is played by i don't even know his name hold on jason clark who's a guy i recognized but he's not like a a standout actor for me um yeah, so it's just about their life, and uh, I just like the storytelling, and it's unfortunate that I think, I'm pretty sure Shia LaBeouf is like a piece of shit abuser, because he is charming, and I do like him, but so, and he's like the main focus, Uh, and I don't think there's anything bad about Tom Hardy, and I really hope there isn't, because I love Tom Hardy, he is, I love that man. (laughs) <laughs> and he's really good in this. He's very, like, quiet, and like I said, since he takes care of the whole thing. Apparently, the director said that he based, since he's, Tom Hardy saw his character as, like, a motherly figure, and he based a lot of his movements and mannerisms off of the granny from fucking Looney Tunes, uh, which I think is funny. Also, Tom Hardy and Shia both apparently got into a fight on this set, and Shia, like, drank moonshine, to, like, get in character, and... It almost made his co-star, like, leave the movie because he was such a drunk idiot. Uh, The girl played his love interest, Maya Wasikowska. (laughs) Uh, And then Shia also admitted that Tom Hardy stayed sober and he had a better performance because fucking of course he did. Uh, uh, Guy Pierce plays, like, the bad guy in this. He's, like, the the cop who's, like, made it his mission to, like, take them down. And this is one thing that I, I think they changed for the movie is like I think in real life this officer was just like a regular like rural cop but in this they make him like this uh Nance as Shia calls him from the city he like wears gloves all the time he has this like nice suit he wears perfume I think he shaves off his fucking eyebrows I don't know if that's like a conscious thing and he does that that weird old timey like part in his hair like his hair is slicked back but there's like a full inch part in the middle of it uh real weird look But he's very good in this. He's very creepy. Uh, He tars and feathers a guy, and that's fucked up. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like recapping the whole thing. It's a nice story. I think you should watch it. The performances are good. Uh, They really draw you in with the family. There's a part where this one side character, uh, played by Dane DeHaan, who... he who, like, I know that's the kid who played Green Goblin in, like, the new the Andrew Garfield things, and he's also the kid from Through the Never, that Metallica, like, concert DVD movie post-apocalyptic thing that I still need to watch, but, uh, Guy Pierce's character ends up, it's, it's spoilers, whatever, uh, uh, killing him and, like, driving the brothers to, like, get their revenge, and you really feel it. You feel bad for Cricket Pate. <laughs> But yeah, good looking movie, solid storytelling, good performances, made me a little emotional. So that's like a, that's a nice solid four star movie right there. Yeah. And yeah, Lawless. Yeah. And I think that's it for today. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. Okay. Hey guys, it's a uh, Monday. It's an okay day. Dropped extra off of work this morning and I was going to like try and get a lot of reading done, work through my like piles of shit, but I just couldn't get like comfortable all day. So, I don't know. I kept getting distracted. Nothing too, uh, major though. Surprisingly, so not as sore as I thought it would be on my rest day after the first week of doing those workouts. It's funny. And, uh, I'm Duolingo. I've been keeping up with that. I was like almost 300 day streak and I alternate between Spanish and Hawaiian. Uh, and I'm on the Hawaiian, uh, lessons for exercising. So I'm learning a lot of, uh, appropriate and relevant things, like, uh, to say my body is sore, you say, Mala Kekino. So that's fun. Also, I may have an extension on my unemployment. I got my, like, last payment for my last little bit, and then after I transferred the money today, I got a notice from unemployment that the federal government, like, extended, extended stuff by, like, 29 weeks. So maybe I'll have more money coming in that way, which is nice. But also now we're like required to look for work. And at first it said uh, that like all these things count as looking for work, like just changing your resume or like looking online and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I'm good. So I don't have to start applying to places I don't want to work. But then whenever I certified for this last little bit of money, it like asked me, said that I need to have made three job contacts this week. But, like, it also said I can keep my own records and I don't have to report it to them. And then, like, if they ask for it, I gotta have their records. So, I don't know. Hopefully they don't <laughs> ask. I only applied. I applied to one job last week. I um, hope nobody from unemployment listens to this. Or there's no snitches listening. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. The whole thing's stupid and stressful. But, anyway. So, today's movie. Uh, I watched Jackie Brown. Quentin Tarantino movie from 1997 and I, I loved it, this was so good, it was amazing, like, okay, so Pam Greer is the title character, and she's amazing, um, I don't, I don't know if I've seen anything else with Pam Greer in it, but I need to go back and watch, like, Coffee and Foxy Brown and stuff like that, because she's, like, so good, and you immediately want to root for her in this movie, you immediately feel for, uh, she plays a flight attendant who gets like who like runs money for this for samuel jackson who plays this shitty gun dealer and it's like her getting wrapped up with the cops and trying to get out of it and she she like crafts this whole plot to give the cops what they want take down samuel jackson and get the money and it's just fun it's fun and it's like nice hanging out with all these characters there's so many good characters in it. like samuel jackson plays the gun dealer piece of shit and he is such a piece of shit <laughs> Like, you immediately hate him. He has this, like, awful-looking, like, straight hair that he puts into a ponytail. And he has, like, this, like, braided goatee that looks like shit. And, uh, Robert De Niro's in it. And he plays this, uh, like, Samuel Jackson's friend from jail who, like, is helping him. And he, like, just got out of jail. And he plays, it's a weird character for Robert De Niro because he, like, doesn't really do anything. He just kind of quiet and he like smokes weed and he kind of mumbles kind of reminds me of my friend Cheston <laughs> in this. And, uh, yeah, it was just interesting to see Robert De Niro play this kind of character, but he's good in it. Uh, Robert Forrester is Max Cherry, the bail bondsman who like gets wrapped up in this and like falls for Pam Greer. And he's really good in this. Real, he feels like a real person. And Max Cherry, Max Cherry is just a great name. Uh, Who else is in this? You got Chris Tucker in a small part at the beginning. His character uh, lives in Hollywood and Western, which is right in my neighborhood, so that's fun. Uh, Michael Keaton plays one of the cops, you know, and who doesn't love Michael Keaton? And Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to, like, say. Like, it's just a fun ride. Uh, It's nice getting to know all these characters and, like, the plot that, like, Jackie, like, comes up with to, like, get this money. Uh, And then he does... It's, like, real tense the whole time. You're, like, worried that it's not going to go off right. And, like, Tarantino does the thing with, like, the like the money exchange and, like, the plot where, like, you follow Pam's point of view then you go back a little bit and you follow Robert De Niro's point of view and you go back a little bit and you follow Robert Forrester, Max Cherry's point of view as they, like, all, like, take part in this, like, plot. And I got real tensed up there. I was, like, really hoping it would go right. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to be, uh, to get that invested. And yeah, it's just a very satisfying movie. It ends, like... It ends with, uh, Pam winning, or Jackie winning, uh, but, like, not fully happy because you want her and Max to get together, but they don't quite, but, you know, who knows, maybe in the future, so, like, it's, like, a nice ending, but, like, still a little, kind of, a little sad, but you're still happy for, I don't know, I'm, it's just good, it's just nice, the soundtrack's really good, I immediately started, like, I put this, I found a Spotify playlist of the soundtrack and put it on while I was reading the Wikipedia and stuff, there's also, there's a shot in this at the end of where uh spoilers for a movie already spoiled uh samuel jackson like dies at the end and there's a shot uh, looking up from his eyes at michael keaton and pam greer as they talk over his body and that like reminded me of a short story i can't remember if this was like a scary story to tell telling a dark story or something but it's about like two like victorian guys who wanted to like study death and see if uh people were still conscious after death or they could still like were aware of their surroundings so they concoct this like plan for to like kill one of them but like in a way that he'll revive or like to like act dead i don't know but then like the story is like they so they do it and the one guy is like it's from the guys it's being told from the guy who like died in their plan and he's like aware of everything that's happening is like his body's being prepared. And then his like friend tries to like wake him up and say like, we did it. Like we finished the thing, but you know, he's like not waking up and it's because he actually did die. He had like a heart attack from like the plot. I'm, i whatever. I'm not <laughs> summarizing that correctly, but it was just funny. I hadn't thought about that story in fucking 25 years, probably maybe a little less. Like maybe that's what started my weird death obsession, fascination uh, fear thing, but anyways, Jackie Brown, amazing movie, great cast, uh, might be my favorite Tarantino now, or it's definitely up there, and I, there's nothing wrong with this movie that I can see, and it's pretty much everything you'd want out of a crime movie, so I think I have to give it five stars, yeah, I think it's my first five star in a while, definitely the first five star of the, uh, crime movie month, so I'm glad we got one of those in here, right before the end. But yeah, alright, that's it for me today. We'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. Tuesday, nothing too special today. Just, you know, brought extra work, came home, and worked out, and read a lot of comic books. <laughs> I emailed the HR department of the city of San Marino to see if what was going up with that library clerk job over there And apparently they still have made decisions and they will notify all candidates when they do. So there's still hope, but who knows? I'm still debating on if I actually want to try to look for work now that I think I'm getting an extension or just, you know, figure out a way to lie while only focusing on looking for jobs that I'll actually like, because I'm definitely going to still get more money from unemployment than I will from any shitty $15 an hour job that I take. I don't know. We'll see uh, anyways, so today's movie, I watched Eastern Promises from 2007 by David Cronenberg with Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts, and I've been meaning to watch this movie forever, like, since it came out, I just don't know why I never got around to it, because I remember seeing, like, the trailers and being like, oh, Viggo Mortensen as like, a fucking badass Russian monster. That's going to be cool. And I heard like the only thing you hear about this movie afterwards is that there's a sick fight <laughs> uh, in a sauna where Vigo Mortensen is naked and you just see his whole junk. And you know, it lived up to the hype on both points. The fight was sick uh, and Vigo Mortensen was very cool in this. So basically it's like uh, Naomi Watts plays a Woman, it's in London. Plays a midwife at a hospital. This girl comes in, who's obviously in a very bad place, and she uh, gives birth to her baby, but she dies in the process. And she has a little diary on her in Russian. And since Naomi Watts's uncle, her family's Russian, her uncle speaks Russian, he has her translate it, or he, she has him translate it. And there's a little card for a restaurant. Brings it to the restaurant, and turns out that this girl was being sex trafficked by the Russian mob and it all like spiraled from there of what they're gonna do like with this baby and with Naomi Watts and her family knowing about uh this horrible thing that the leader of the mob did and yeah it's a real dark and like uh depressing story but it's very compelling very well told uh the look of this movie is very good it's a very good looking movie um it's a very brutal movie though there's a lot of gross shit in it like multiple throats slit and like Vigo Mortensen like using wire cutters to cut the fingertips off a of body so they can like throw it in the river without anybody knowing who it is. Sorry, I, I stopped because my could hear my neighbors talking outside and now I completely lost my train of thought. Uh But yeah, I don't know. I really like this one. I watched it from a file that I downloaded a long time ago and I wish I had watched a version with subtitles because there are a lot of scenes where they're just speaking Russian and I'm not sure... Since they weren't subtitled on this file, maybe they weren't actually subtitled in theaters. So maybe I'm still I'm still getting like an authentic uh, experience as to like what people in the theater got. Uh, but it would have been nice to have some subtitles to like tell me what they're saying. But you don't really need it. You still get the vibe of the what they're saying and the um and like the mood of the scenes. No, like important information is really uh said. I think. Would have been nice also because everybody, a lot of people in this movie have thick Russian accents, and that was a little hard to understand at times. But you know, we got through it. Also, there's a lot about like Russian gang tattoos, gang tattoos in this, and uh, that was pretty cool. It's a cool little uh, piece of culture. I like how they all have like different meanings and everything. It's a cool. It would be a cool thing to study and learn more about. Just made me want to get another a tattoo. You need to get one soon. But, you know, with this Delta variant stuff, I'm back to, I'm back. Like, I changed. I'm even more uh, in my little hermit hole. Um, but anyways, Eastern Promises, great movie, uh, solid four stars. Yeah, that's all I got for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey, guys. Wednesday, and I am very tired. I didn't go to sleep till like, 2 and I heard a rumor that there was gonna be a uh, uh, a drop of PS5s on Target.com, and so I set an alarm for four. I kind of woke up for it, and then but it wasn't happening. Uh, it might be happening tomorrow morning, so I'm gonna try again. But then I like went back to sleep, kind of, and then woke up at like 7:30 for uh from my alarms and i like woke up and brushed my teeth and stuff but then i like laid down and went right back to sleep and then didn't wake up until 8:30 when Dexter came into the room cuz that's usually when we leave to bring him to work and i like woke up like startled it's like oh fuck gotta get up and go uh and that just threw off my whole day so i'm very tired right now then i went to the comic book shop today and i already knew it's a it was a heavy week fucking 13 comics today which is fucking ridiculous, but then I get there, and the guy at work in the store is, like, on the phone, and there's, like, two other people there already, like, waiting for help, and the guy works there's a talker, and he's on the phone, and, like, I'm listening, and he's, like, helping the guy, and I, he comes to the point where he's, like, done helping the guy, and when, since he sees the other people are in the store, I would think... Alright, I'm trying to help this guy me get off the phone real quick. But then he like thinks of like another idea of like why don't you look at barnesandnoble.com and like talks about like logistics or something for a minute, just it's like not the time to be talkative, you know? Uh somebody like standing in there way longer than I want to it helps like one guy in front of me but they're both fucking talkers he gets to me and then my card it wasn't like the machine wasn't taking my card for some reason so I had to run it like three times it was a problem on their end not mine and uh so that was frustrating and then like driving to pick up Dexter today from work was frustrating just a lot of people who don't know how to fucking drive so yeah I'm just tired and (laughs) frustrated today uh but anyways today's movie I watched uh I watched uh, In the Heat of the Night from 1970, or 67 by Norman Jewison with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steger, Steiger in Warren Oates. And this was great. It was really good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I decided to watch this. I figured I wanted to watch because tomorrow is like my last day of crime month and my double feature I have planned is very stupid. So I figured I should watch something that's like culturally relevant right before the end here. And this was a great choice for that. Uh, so if you don't know, it's a murder mystery. Small town, Sparta, Mississippi, or Missouri, one of them. Uh, a rich man who's going to open a factory in town is found uh, dead in the street by Warnotes, who's like a deputy. They try to f- they go out looking for who did it, and Warnotes comes across a black man. And since he's wearing a suit, he's already, almost well, he's black, he already suspects him. He's wearing a suit and he has a lot of money in his wallet, so he takes him in to, uh... The chief, the police chief, played by Rod Steer, and um, we find out that the black guy, Sidney Poitier, is actually um, Virgil Tibbs. He's a big city cop from Philadelphia. He's a homicide expert, and he just wants to get out of this town. He's visiting his mother or whatever. And he wants to get out, but then the, his chief on the phone when they like call to confirm his identity, like says he should stay and help with the murder, and so he does. And that's the whole, like that's the plot basically. Is them trying to solve this, but like what the movie's really about is about the like racial tension everywhere because he's in this small town dealing with all these white folk they're all fucking racist and then there but there's also like a little bit of uh big city small town tension because he like since he's like properly educated and isn't used to dealing with these people he can tell that he like is it's always like the racism and like dealing with the stupidity is like always simmering in the back of his head and there's a little um a little a lot of like these, like, small town white people feeling inadequate with this big city cop who's an expert, but he's also black. Yeah, so the movie's that's what it's about, is, like, about these, like, interactions and them, like, trying to work together and, like, working against, like, both the society and also what's in their heads. And eventually there's, like, a begrudging respect between uh, Tibbs and the police chief and that whole like, relationship as it develops is really cool to watch, and it's really, um, really well acted, uh, yeah, and this was, like, I don't know, it's just, I know it's still, like, just as racist now in a lot of places, but I haven't, like, had much direct exposure to it, so it's so weird watching these, like, all these white people in this town, and, like, their whole lives are, like, ruled by this racism like all of their interactions they can't put it aside for like one moment and like it just really eats at them the entire time it's it's fucked up (laughs) which you know real profound uh observation there i know um the actual murder mystery part of it is like just okay it's like kind of interesting there's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of like potential suspects and then you find out like no that's not it and and then, like, the final reveal was a little disappointing because it was, like, nowhere before. It was, like, a, it was a character we had seen before a couple times, but he had no tie to the rest of the thing until, like, right before it happened. Uh, though, I guess, and there is, like, a... Because it's, like, this, uh... The the guy who runs the diner that Warren Oates likes to go to, and he's kind of, like, a weirdo, and he likes to fuck with Warren Oates the whole time. And the very first, like, shot of the movie, after, like, the credits of, uh, would show, like, the train that... Tibbs arrives on the very first like actual scene is in the diner and it's him uh the kid at the diner like killing a fly on the wall using a rubber band so it's like the very first thing you see is this character like delighting in an act of violence uh and then it you know it turns out he committed the act of violence in the movie so I guess that's actually pretty cool and clever this is also the first movie apparently where they actually took into consideration uh doing different lighting for black skin, which is wild, because they wanted, because, like, usual lighting, usually for white people, caused too much of a glare on black people, so it, like, washed out their features, and the director actually wanted you to be able to see what the acting on Sidney Poitier's face. So that's wild, not until fucking 1967 did we get proper consideration for lighting. What else? There's a big moment where they like go and ask this uh, plantation owner who's like the guy who would have the most uh, to gain from the factory that the guy who got killed uh, who he, that he wanted to build from it not being made and he's like runs a plantation so he still has a bunch of black people on it. He's still like very racist and he's like very he's very cordial with Tibbs because whenever they get there he's in a greenhouse and he has all these orchids that he's cultivating and Tibbs like immediately like shows that he has an interest in flowers and is knowledgeable about it, so he's, like, personable with them. But then they start getting him questions about the murder, and this old dude slaps Tibbs in the face, and Tibbs immediately slaps him back, and you just see him, like, seething, And he, like, expects the, like, the police chief who's right there to, like, shoot, them, shoot him and, like, take him down for doing this, but he doesn't because the police chief is already starting to, like, like him and respect him a little bit. And then... And they leave, and you just see this, they linger on a shot of this, like, old white dude just, like, so mad that a black person would dare return his act of aggression with aggression of his own, and he's just, like, seething, he looks like he's almost crying. So, yeah, there's a lot of good moments like that. I feel like this is a, it's a good movie to watch. It's probably, it feels important, that feels kind of hacky to say, but, you know, an important movie to watch. Like, if you have it. I think you should. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I would give... Uh, this of like an extremely solid four stars. And uh, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up this uh, crime month. Okay, hey guys. Thursday, last day of the week. Feeling bad today. Like mentally it's not good. I'm like been on edge all day. I think I'm just I'm stressing about the job stuff and I'm doing my uh, usual reaction of just doing nothing and trying to avoid it while still freaking out. And i hate it also my body feels off i haven't been getting enough sleep or good sleep in those workouts i've been doing my right knee is aching it's my weak knee figured this would happen didn't think it would happen this soon but you know is what it is um but anyways so let's get into the movies for my double feature to round out uh drew lyman punishment uh i watched I did a year 2000 Ben Affleck double feature and I watched Boiler Room and Reindeer Games and uh it was fun overall uh Boiler Room I watched first pretty much woke up and watched this first thing in the morning um and apparently uh as pointed out by my friend Dane this was a a USA like TV movie apparently and it might be one of the greatest TV movies ever made this movie? It was fantastic. I fucking loved it. I'm so glad that, uh, Good Brother Rax, uh, suggested this a few, a little while ago or brought it to my attention because I had never heard of it. So yeah, year 2000 by Ben Younger. Uh, we got Giovanni Rabisi, Vin Diesel, and of course Ben Affleck in this, and, uh, Jamie Kennedy randomly and so Giovanni Ribisi he's our main character he's like 19 he's the son of a federal judge who's like trying to figure out what he wants to do he lives in New York and he drops out of college to run this like an un- his uh, uh underground casino in his living room and you know it's doing pretty good uh but his judge father does not respect him for this job Cause it's illegal, and then one of his like the people who comes to the casino is this guy, I guess he went to college with or something. It's like Jamie Kennedy, and he brings in this other guy, and they like work for this uh trade firm. And uh, so they bring him in because they like him, and he like goes through this training program to become like a stock trader for this firm that like turns out to not be uh legit. So it's about him like Rubisi, like rising up, being good at this, but realizing something's wrong, but still just wanting to do good for himself and like the moral thing. And his dad is just really good. It's really well told feels nice and tight even though it's like two hours long feels nice and tight even though it's like two hours long uh vin diesel is in this he's one of the senior broker guys and he's fucking great in this he seems so comfortable in this part and he just really owns it uh, i wish he would get more roles like this uh it's really cool uh affleck is in this of course and he uh he's kind of like i've never seen glengarry glenn ross Uh, but he's kind of like the Alec Baldwin part where he comes in and just makes like one really significant speech and then leaves. Of course he has like multiple scenes, but he's like the guy who like does the intro speech to all the trainees. And he like, he also really kills it. He like perfectly gets the vibe. And yeah, I don't really want to go too much into the plot and the rest of what happens because, uh, I think if you haven't seen this, you should go watch it. It's extremely solid. It's so good. I was very pleasantly surprised by this. And yeah, I think I give it a 4.5 stars for Boiler Room. I liked it that much. But I did not like our second Ben Affleck movie from the year 2000 uh, as much. Uh, so I watched Reindeer Games by John Frankenheimer. And uh, this movie is just kind of a mess. I can't believe that this is the same guy who did Ronin, uh, that Robert De Niro movie. Because that movie is like extremely like tight, solid, tense, like thriller uh, a lot of cool crime, like, chase scenes and stuff, but this was just, like, I don't know, and also, it, so, the plot, Ben Affleck is in jail with, uh, this guy, fucking, uh, Nick, why, the actor's name is James Frain, I think, I don't really know him, uh, and they're both getting out in two days, and Nick keeps talking about this girl that he's gonna meet, he's been, like, pimp pals with her, and he's, like, in love with her, and, but then there's a big, like, riot, and Nick gets shanked, Then Affleck hears that he died from it, and when he leaves, the girl is waiting there, and so he pretends to be Nick so that he can, like, be with this girl, uh, which is one of my least favorite, like, tropes or conceits, whatever you call it in a movie, is when someone has to pretend to be someone else, and they're not fully prepared for it, and there's always a risk of them getting caught, uh, it always just puts me on edge, makes me very uncomfortable, like, I think in one of the, like, bad boys (laughs) movies, they do this, and it just makes me so uncomfortable, uh... But yeah, and then it turns out that this chick, Ashley, Charlie's Theron, her brother, Gary Sinise, is like a uh, a trucker who's like been running guns. And he knows that Nick, the guy who died in jail, turned out like worked at this casino. And so now he wants Ben Affleck to help him rob the casino because as Nick, he should know everything about the security. And that's the whole thing. There's a bunch of like nonsense that they go through. And uh, I don't know. It's fine enough. It takes place around Christmas. So it's kind of, you can throw this in as, like, a different kind of Christmas movie if you want. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just not very, it's just, like, kind of boring and kind of dumb. Danny Trejo and Donald Logue are in this as, uh, like, two of the, like, henchmen for Gary Sinise. Uh, And they're great, but they're not used as well as they should. Actually, um, Donald Logue's part was supposed to be Vin Diesel, but Vin Diesel had a disagreement with, um... John Frankenheimer and also apparently he got offered Danny Trejo says he got offered the lead in Fast and Furious and that's why he left the movie and then got replaced by Donald Logue so thank god Vin Diesel wasn't in this but we almost had a uh this would have been a year 2000 Ben Affleck Vin Diesel double feature and you know I don't know I don't really have anything (laughs) like much to add for it um it's dumb. It's fun enough. It's fine if you want to throw something on, or you want a different kind of Christmas movie. It does end with because they pull the heist in like Santa outfits, and of course Ben Affleck gets through, gets the money, and like ends up with the money and all the other everyone else fucking dead. And so the movie ends with him like walking with all his money through this uh, the small town that he grew up in with a sack full of money. He's just putting money in different people's uh, uh mailboxes, and that's fun. I like the image of Santa Affleck giving people money. I almost gave it 3.5 stars because I felt like that was a nice note to end on. But I just couldn't I had to be a little more honest. This is a three-star movie at best. Almost 2.5, but I gave it three stars just to be a little nicer. Um and yeah that's it for uh for this week for Julime and punishment. It's been fun watching all these crime movies. It's definitely one of my top genres. And yeah. Uh so again thanks for listening. I've been Burton Olivier at Burt's on everything at Birdzora on everything, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, recommendations, and we'll hopefully see you back here next month for the first week of the August rush, where I'm only going to be watching action movies, and yeah, all right, and with that, it's, uh, time I disappear.